Well, the US dollar continued to rise at the end of last week, hitting a two-month high after that surprisingly bullish outlook from the Fed. But is the Aussie dollar paying too high a price for this? We'll look at that today. Plus, the bond movements that have seen the yield curve flattening in the US and the Aussie short-end rates pushing higher. And the recovery, despite all the optimism, is it really going to be as great as many have been advocating? Were the UK retail numbers on Friday a warning sign that the bounce back won't be that straightforward? It's Monday, the 21st of June, 2021. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, on Friday, U.S. equities continued to fall. There was 1.6% off the Dow, 1.3% off the S&P 500, 0.9% off the Nasdaq. The Dow was down almost 3.5% last week. And more movements in Treasuries. Ten-year, uh, ten-year Treasuries down seven basis points on Friday to 1.44%. That's after the sharp rises earlier in the week, of course. So a week ago, they were at 1.46%. So only a couple of basis points down on the week. But a different story at 30 years, though. They're down about 10 basis points over the week. We'll look at that uh, today on the podcast. The US dollar lifted a little more on Friday, up almost 2% over the week, whilst the Aussie dollar lost almost 1% at the end of the week, falling below 75 US cents, 2.7% down over the week. It's picking up a little early this morning, though. And the pound also moving down sharply on Friday, 0.8% down. The euro was losing just half of that. Uh, Rodrigo Cotrill is here today to kick off the week, senior FX strategist at NAB in Sydney. So I guess, Rodrigo, I mean, two themes emerging there of interest, the flattening of the yield curve for US Treasuries. We've got to talk about that. We could also talk about what's happening uh, with bond yields in Australia. And then the weakening of the Aussie dollar, which, of course, is linked to the uh, to the mighty dollar, that continued rise of the, the, the mighty dollar, which is all down to the Fed stance last week, isn't it? Uh, and the Aussie uh, is paying the price like other currencies. Um, morning, Phil. Sure. Where, where should we start? <laughs> you, you can start uh, where you like, Rodrigo. Let's start on the curve, because I okay. think it's a, it's, a, it's, it's a really important sort of uh, market reaction. So you point out the U.S. Treasury curve has flattened. Now, the, the flattening of the curve has really been a component, two components playing here. Uh, the front end of the curve, the front end of the curve, we've seen the short end rates move up uh, as the market has brought forward the expectations of, of you know, lift of, of, of the Fed funds rates. Um, and of course, we also had uh, Fed Bullard speaking on, on Friday, revealing himself as one of those seven out of the 18 Fed officials who expects uh, an increase in the Fed funds rate next year, um, which is, I suppose, is something that is probably worth emphasizing as well, because the, the market tends to focus about that median. Um, and uh, of course, we saw that median lift in 2023. Uh, but the median in 2022 is not too far off from from lifting and, and reflecting uh, an increase in, in the Fed funds rate because of course we had seven out of 18 and it only takes two more and then all of a sudden we you know we will see lift off in 2022 rather than 2023. Uh, Fed Bullard is not surprising. He's one of the more sort of extreme commentators within the FMC. He's either very dovish or very hawkish, and, and now he's on the hawkish side. And he uh, certainly added to, to sort of this flattened theme that we've seen in, in the U.S. Treasury curve on Friday, uh, but emphasizing that he sees, um, you know, the Fed funds rate lifting next year, uh, given that he sees those inflationary impulses uh, being more intense than what he had expected uh, previously. Uh, so, so that's one important component of the movement that we've seen in, in the flattening of the curve. But the other one, which I think is, 
is really quite quite or just as important is is the aggressive move lower in longer data yields. So what is that telling us? It's telling us that the market is is taking out this whole sort of reflationary trade. Uh, is is reducing the, the the inflation expectations, but it's also reducing the sort of long term growth expectations of the U.S. economy. So, so, the bounce, so what's it saying? The bounce back that we're expecting isn't going to be as grand as everyone was going to have us believe. Correct. So. Um, so, if, if anything, it's reinforces the idea that all this inflation uh, impulse or rise that we're seeing at the moment uh, is no longer getting out of hand. And indeed, the expectations of the Fed uh, not being behind the curve is, is not only sort of completely reprises inflationary expectations, but it's also, you know, raised questions about the, about the potential growth for the U.S. economy over the medium term. Um, um, so, so it is. It is being quite aggressive, and, and I suppose the important reaction that we've seen in markets is is this broad risk off uh, um, events uh, with you know equities uh, suffering, whilst commodities are also suffering as that refraction refraction trade it's unwound, uh, and and of course the Aussie is is in the middle of the storm, and um, and it's, it's, it's been one of the big underperformers on Friday. Um, which, you know, from a technical perspective, it's also worth highlighting that many, many, many levels have been uh, tested. And uh, in the case of the Aussie, we've broken through those support levels, which has played into the acceleration of the decline in the Aussie on Friday. Yeah, and not just the Aussie dollar. I mean, on, on bond yields as well, we're seeing short end rates pushing higher. I guess, uh, you know, if they're going to raise rates, rates sooner in the United States, the RBA can't hold out, can it? Well, I suppose that, that that's sort of the really interesting thing. And um, when you look at the, the movement in front-end yields, we've seen front-end yields in Australia move almost just as much as what we're seeing now in, in, in the US, uh, with the market now pricing an increase in the RBA uh, uh, cash rates um, uh, by, by the end of next year. Um, so, mm. um, so we've seen this acceleration of bringing forward rate hike expectations, uh, which to some extent that don't necessarily make a lot of sense in, in Australia, given that uh, the scenario of, of inflation is very different. You know, in, in the US, we have inflation printing at 5% uh, on the headline level, whereas in Australia, it's, it's 1.5. So we don't have an inflationary problem uh, that, that, that the US is currently facing. Whilst at the same time, uh, as much as the economy is traveling well, we know that the RBA has made it very clear uh, that they're not keen on lifting the cash rate until they see a material rise in, in wages growth. And at this moment, there's no evidence that that is happening. And indeed, you could question that, you know, the evidence of the, the increase of the minimum wage is 2.5% and the, um, also the limited sort of rise in, in, on, the, on the fiscal side in terms of wages. It doesn't suggest we will see a big rise or acceleration in wages in Australia very quickly. Nevertheless, what we've yeah. seen is that uh, we've, we've also had Westpac, uh, you know, Bill Evans, bringing forward his call for the timing of a, of a rate hike uh, to early 2023, um, which sort of, you know, there's, there's a lot of evidence to suggest maybe 2024 is too far out there for, for the RBA, given the improvements that we've seen in the labor market. Uh, but really to, to suggest that rate hikes should be coming in, in 2022 at this stage as the market is pricing in, in Australia seems a bit premature. And it's just sort of a reflection of what's going on in, in, in the US as well, of everything kind of brought forward uh, so at the moment. we get Australian retail sales today. What are we expecting there? And I guess, you know, it, it, whatever it does, is it going to have much influence? I mean, it's, it's really what's happening in the United States, which is driving global markets completely at the moment, isn't it? Yes, for now, the, the main driver, if anything, is, is that risk aversion. Uh, and 
and the big unwinding of the reflation trade, uh, not only reflecting in equities, uh, but also reflected in the nominal yields, so the move lower of the inflation component and also the commodities. So, so for now, it's, it's that risk aversion that is is Aussie, is driving the Aussie lower. Uh, it, because as we pointed out, in terms of the, those rate hack, rate hack expectations, it's not just a, a, US, a US story, it's, it's a story that you see in, you know, in the UK and you see in it in New Zealand and also right. here in Australia. So what are we expecting? So having said it might not have much influence, what are we expecting on this? No, sorry. So, yeah, so in terms of retail sales, um, we, we still expect a, a positive print of 0.4 month on month, which is a little bit lower than 0.5 by, by consensus. But it's a, it's a bit of a decline from, from that big, 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 big print that we got in April of 1.1%. So a little bit of sort of unwinding in terms of the, the big uh, sort of reopening uh, jump in sales, uh, but nothing uh, to, to worry uh, uh, the markets at the moment. So was the, uh, the UK retail sales on Friday, was that one sign that, you know, this global recovery that was going to bounce back? And, you know, no one has been more bullish about that than Andy Haldane from the Bank of England because he talked about a rapid fire recovery a rip-roaring recovery, recovery at a rate of knots, all his words. Uh, he's been talking up inflation risks in the UK, but then we had that blip, didn't we, in their retail recovery, actually. I mean, it was a good month in April, obviously, because shops started opening again. But May, uh, down 1.4% month on month. I think some of it is because people were stopping food shopping and restaurant shopping, which is a good sign. Uh, but but even so, you know, not that uh, that sharp rise back that perhaps people like Andy Haldane have been expecting. Yes, and, and if anything, that that's really, uh, it's a big question mark, uh, not only of what we've seen in, in, in the UK, but also what we've seen, um, um, you know, a little bit of evidence of that as well in the US. And, and so basically the theme here is that the, the consumer is all cashed up. We, we have high levels of savings around the globe. Um, and then as and when we see the economies reopen, the consumer is going to come back roaring and, and, and we're still going to see a huge increase in consumption, particularly away from goods towards the services. Roaring, the roaring yes. 20s. Just yes, but the counter-argument yeah. to that is that saying, well, uh, COVID is, for one, not being resolved. We still have, you know, the Delta variant. And people, you know, vaccination rates are still low in many parts of the world, including in Australia. And therefore, there's arguments for the consumer to remain a little bit more well, cautious yeah, in I a mean, post-pandemic yeah, world. Exactly. Uh, if you look at the Euros, which are being held at the moment, the, the football which is going on in, in Europe, it's like the World Soccer, Soccer World Cup, only without uh, mm-hmm. Argentina and Brazil. And Chile. Yeah, and, and, and Chile, yes. Yeah. Sorry, for, forgot who I was talking to. But I mean, you <laughs> had a, a, a game yesterday in Budapest, for example. Uh, the stadium was filled to the brim with 60,000 people. Uh, what is that going to do uh, to infection rates? And uh, if we see those spike up again, like we are doing in the UK, where the G7 was held, for example, in Cornwall, they've got uh, a sharp rise in numbers, uh, even though they've had uh, the uh, the injections, uh, that, that is going to add to the cautiousness. So linked to, to the hospitalisation rate, you know, we, the UK has a high, relatively high level of vaccination, particularly amongst those that are more vulnerable. Um, so that, and, and what we've seen is that decline in hospitalisation, even though there's been a bit of an uptick in terms of, of infection. So that, that is encouraging because telling us that the vaccine is working. Um, but in the UK, in Europe, uh, that level of vaccination overall is pretty low still, you know, 20% uh, or around 20%, depending on where you look. France is a little bit low, actually. So um, so it, it is this, this risk that we, of course, we saw in Asia uh, that is occurring that you, you can't reopen too quickly 
when you haven't got those high levels of vaccination rates. And, and it is a concern now because we, we've seen evidence that the, the Delta variant is now showing in, in many parts in, in Europe uh, with Portugal. In, in Portugal, it's now the dominant, uh, yes. you know. Uh, and it uh, is in the UK. It's one fact more than 90%, I think, yes. of, of uh, people have now got, who've got, have got the Delta variant. So we'll see how all that comes out. Look, uh, the PBOC today, uh, they're going to have their loan prime rates. They're expected to stay where they are. It's interesting, isn't it, in China, how commodity prices that have yeah. pushed up producer prices a great deal, but we're not seeing that rise through to the inflation figures just yet. The PBOC are saying they expect prices are going to remain stable, so they don't need to do too much. But are they right on that? Yes. And um, and again, that that is all well and fine, as long as it's only a temporary effect, yeah. uh, because if producer prices continue to rise, and consumer prices don't go up, then that's a squeeze of margins, and and, and that is not sustainable either. So um, it it will have to play out one way or another. But uh, but for now, um, there's there's a sort of um, I suppose calmness and waiting to see that uh, those uh, producer prices uh, ease off. With of course the uh, policymakers in 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 China are making big efforts there to to reduce that pressure particularly coming from commodity prices and Christine Lagarde is going to be talking later on she's in front of the European Parliamentary economic and monetary Affairs committee and no doubt there'll be questions about the uh, the euro uh, and how it is uh, against the strengthening dollar that's a complete turnaround isn't it they, they wouldn't be too upset about that I wouldn't have thought yes and to some extent they're kind of placed to to the ACB hands or at least the, the core within the ACB that, that still want to um, you know, take it easy in terms of talking about, um, uh, you know, removing any stimulatory measures and, and a, a softer euro in that regard uh, uh, is, is a welcome outcome because, of course, not long ago, ECB Lagarde was, was pushing back around the rise of the euro. Um, and now we kind of find ourselves on the other end. So, so our sense is that is she will continue to sort of talk the dovish uh, theme coming from the ECB. And, and then, of course, we also have Fred Bullard and Williams speaking later tonight. Uh, and I suppose the focus will be on Williams to see what he has to say and his views in particular in terms of pricing expectations that we've seen post-FMC. Which side's he going to jump on? Yeah, exactly. All right, well, we'll, uh, we'll leave it there for now. Good to talk, Rodrigo. Catch you again very soon. Thank you. Thank you, Phil. Cheers. I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. Back tomorrow morning. Tapas joining us then. See you then.